Take your Bibles and turn with me to Revelation chapter 20. We're, uh, been, we've been preaching through, uh, it's coming is the title of the series that we've been preaching through. It's about the, it's prophecy about the last days of things that are coming in the last days, how that they fit together. And I know that sometimes we may give you an angle that maybe you've heard it a lot different in your life and, and you don't necessarily agree with that. That's fine. That's okay. And uh, that there's, uh, there's always some interesting things that comes up and different questions. And, and even this week, Hunter and I was talking about a situation. I'm not going to get into it. And uh, just doing some digging and stuff on that. And it just, there's just so much about it. But the fact is, is it's good to know that God cares enough about you and I that he has given us the word of God. And throughout the whole scripture, you, there's a lot about the return of Christ. There's a lot about the last days in the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. And there's so much given uh, in the scripture, and it's just impossible for us to cover it all. Uh, it would just take forever. I was, uh, I, I was talking to one man, and I said, he, he's getting ready to do a series, something like what we're doing. And, he, and I said, well, how long do you think it'll take you to do your series? Uh, and he goes a little more in depth than what I'm doing on this. He said, it's going to take a year. He says it's going to take a year. And, uh, and uh, I thought, man, I, I don't, I, I'd go crazy trying to do it for a year. Amen. But anyway, uh, there is so much information, so much information that we have to look at sometimes. But uh, Revelation chapter 20, and uh, we'll begin reading verse 1. If you would, please stand for the reading of God's Word if you're able to. Uh, and uh, we're just going to read the first eight verses here and get into the message. It says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit, and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that the old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan, and bound him a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit, and shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years should be fulfilled, and after that he must be loosed a little season. And I saw thrones, and they sat upon them, and the judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus, and for the word of God, and, and, <clears throat> and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power, but they, shall, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And when the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison and shall go out to deceive the nations which are in the four uh, quarters of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea." I'd like to preach a message I've titled, The Millennial Reign of Christ is Coming. Let's pray. Father, we come to you and ask tonight that you would just speak to our hearts. Lord, help us uh, to give the information here, Lord, in the Word of God in such a way that there's an understanding, that there's clarity of thought. 
maybe clear up a few things for some that may have questions. And Lord, I pray now that you would speak to our hearts, challenge us, Lord, to live for you in these last days. May these things, Lord, stir our hearts in such a way that we'll live with a greater desire to please and to live for you and to reach lost souls. And Lord, I pray that each person here would, would have the knowledge that they have put their faith and trust in the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ as their Savior. Not putting their trust in a church, not putting their trust in a man, not putting their trust in religion, but putting their faith and trust only and completely in what Jesus Christ did for them at Calvary and ask the Lord to come in their heart and life and be their Savior. Ask for the forgiveness of sins. And Lord, we'll thank you and we'll praise you for this pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. We've brought you up to about the point, well, not about to, but to the point of the end of the tribulation period. We've worked our way through. We're up to a point where Jesus Christ has come. He has, he has uh, destroyed the, the Antichrist, and, and now he is pushing his way back. Uh, he pushed his way back up uh, through to, the, to Jerusalem on the eastern gate there into the valley of Jehoshaphat. He has done so much destruction to these men that have come out to battle against him. These staging area was in the Valley of Medigo, which is where the, what we call Armageddon, and that's where it gets its name, Armageddon, the Valley of Armageddon. And even that battle goes somewhat, I guess, up into that and spreads out. But the, the blood of the, of, the, uh, of the battle is so deep that it goes to up to four foot deep, at least four foot deep on the horses. Four foot deep and runs for at least 100 to 200 miles. And it's amazing that we, as we look at that, as we think about how could that be possible, well, with God, nothing's impossible. But you consider all the animals in there, and you consider the, uh, the, the bodies and everything that will cause the, 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 the blood to rise a little bit higher, and just God doing some great things there. But anyway, we see this take place, and then Jesus Christ uh, comes down upon the Mount of Olives and splits that thing in half. Boom. At this point, there's, he has taken over. Antichrist is gone. At this point is where we picked up here tonight in Revelation chapter 20. We pick up to the point where many times we think about the millennial reign, the thousand year reign that we read about here. After that battle of Armageddon, the Lord steps down, as I said, on the Mount of Olives there. And the, the next big event known as the millennial reign of Christ is also known as the Messianic Age, where Jesus Christ comes into, into the to rulership, you might say, as the king of all, and he rules with a rod of iron. It's a time where Jesus, as I said, he comes back for a thousand years there, and, the, and also the church saints of God will rule with him. Uh, if you know Jesus Christ, your Savior, you was raptured out before this ever happened. You will come back with him, and you will rule and reign with Jesus Christ at that period of time during that thousand years. But there's a much forgotten point here. A lot of times we jump from that battle of Armageddon right into the millennial reign. But there's what is called a 75-day interval that's in there. You have, 
you have the Antichrist that is destroyed. You have the, the Battle of Armageddon, basically. I'm called the Battle of Armageddon. It's a campaign. There's several battles that goes on there. You have that that is completed. Jesus Christ comes down upon the, the Mount of Olives there, and, and it splits that. Uh, Jerusalem split. And I'm, I'm not even dealing with that tonight, but the, the fact is, is that that's what the beginning of that, uh, of the, the, or you might say the ending of the tribulation period. That ends tribulation, okay? That uh, at that point, you have a 75-day interval that Daniel speaks of. Most people are either unaware of that or know very little about it or confuses it with it being part of the millennial reign. But it is actually a time period of 75 days from the end of the, of the tribulation period unto the beginning of the millennium. You say, well, okay, what's the big deal about that? Well, there's a bunch of things that happens in that 75 days. And we're going to go over that tonight a little bit, okay? going to look at that just a little bit here. The 75 days follows the ending of the Battle of the Armageddon and has these important events. Daniel speaks of this uh, 75 days in Daniel chapter 12. And verse 11 and 12 says, and, and, and you've got you've to concentrate on this, these two verses to see what it's talking about, okay? He says, and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away. When was that? That was at the half point of the seven-year tribulation. When the, that's when the abomination of desolation stepped in. That's when they quit doing sacrifices. That is at the midpoint of the tribulation period, okay? That is when the Antichrist steps up as the leader. That's when he steps up and takes control. That is the, the midpoint. That is the, the first three and a half years is ended right there, okay? It says, and, it shall, and from the time of the daily sacrifice that was going on shall be taken away. And notice what it says, and the abomination that maketh desolate Set up, there shall be a, a thousand two hundred and ninety days. Okay, and look at verse 12 there. It says, Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and five and thirty days. All right? Now, you're going to have to think about this a little bit. And I'm, going to give, I'm, going to, I'm going to try to lay it out real simple here. Notice the number of days here it speaks of. There's 1,290 days. That is an additional 30 days after the, the end of tribulation. Okay? You say, well, what do you mean? Well, the tribulation, if you take three and a half years, you know how many days that is? That's 1,260. He says there's 1,290 here until the, the abomination of desolation is taken away. So that's an extra 30 days. Uh, that's an, uh, as I said there, and after at the end of the three and a half years, the seven-year tribulation period, which we spoke of, this is a thirty days following the end of the tribulation, and the abomination of desolation remains in the temple for thirty days after the tribulation is over. For thirty days, preacher, where do you get that? Look at verse eleven again. Verse eleven says, "And from that time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away." And the abomination uh, that maketh, set, maketh desolate set up there shall be 1,290 days. There's an extra 30 days in there over the three and a half years. Okay, so we'll preach that's still not 75 days. Okay, hang on with me. 
verse 12 speaks of the other 45 days. It says, beyond the, so beyond the 1,290 days, which is, uh, that's added into it, is, and you add the two together, you've got 75 days beyond that last three and a half years of the tribulation. So you have 75 days as soon as tribulation is over. There's 30 days there that the abomination of desolation is still in the temple. So there's 30 days there, but it will be removed, and there is another 45 days. If you look at the number of days there, there's 1,390 days uh, there it speaks of uh, that, that's talking about on that, uh, or not, uh, no, I said it wrong, 1,335 days, which gives you a total of 75 days between the two. Okay, the millennial has not started. There's 75 days. Okay, preacher, you're going a, wrong, a long way around. Okay, notice there's a special blessing, though. You see the first 30 days, they remove, at the end of that 30 days, the abomination of desolation is removed. Then you have another 45 days here that is called the blessing here. That special blessing pronounced upon those who make it uh, to the 1,335 uh, days. This would be those who survive and enter into the millennial kingdom. Okay? There's those that will not. There will be those, listen to me, and we'll get into a minute here. There will be those, nose is itching. There will be those who will make it through the tribulation period, but will not make it to the millennium. Okay? Will not make it to the millennium. Uh, there's a period of time there, this 75 days, that some things are going to take place. During the 75 interval, there are a number of events, and I want to just go through those with you tonight to get us up to that millennial reign. The removal of the abomination of desolation, which we just spoke of in verse 11, says, From the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away, the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 1,290 days. And so the abomination of desolation will remain in that temple 1,290 days. It'll stay in there an extra 30 days. You say, Preacher, why? I have no idea. I can just tell you it's going to be there. Because You say, how do you know it's going to be there? Because Scripture says it's going to be there. Whatever it is, and we've talked about that. Well, what is it? We don't know. We think it's some type of idol, possibly, uh, that's set up by, by the false prophet. But it's going to remain in that temple an extra 30 days. Then it will be removed uh, at, the, at, by, at the end of that, that, those 30 days. The Antichrist and the false prophet, during the same 75 days, will be cast alive. Now back up what we talked before about when Jesus Christ comes back and we come back with him and he is doing this battle in Jehoshaphat when he comes down at Petra. He's, the, first bit, the first thing order of business is, is to destroy the Antichrist and the false prophet. But if you read that it says that they're cast alive into the lake of fire. Okay. So what happens? Again, there's a resurrection. It is a resurrection, a false resurrection, basically, a counterfeit resurrection that is shown just as Jesus Christ rose again. But they will be taken at that time and they will be cast into a lake of fire. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse 20 says, And the beast 
was taken with him, the false prophet, that wrought miracles before him, and which he had de- uh, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast, and them that worshipped his image. And notice what it says: these both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. They are destroyed in the battle. They are brought back in the 75-day interval, and they are cast into, a, into the lake of fire. Now, here's, a, here's something that, that uh, as I was studying this and began to, to read after different ones, and something that came out and I never really thought about, the two, these two here, the false prophet and the Antichrist, will be the very first two people that will be in the eternal lake of fire. The very first two people. You say, well, what about, I thought, ever, I thought people were cast into hell. They are. But hell and the lake of fire is not the same thing. That's two different places. The lake of fire is the eternal holding place of those who have rejected Jesus Christ. There is no judgment set up. It's already judged here in this 75-day interval. And actually, it's in the first 30 days. They are cast into that lake of fire, those two. They will be there by themselves for a thousand years. For a thousand years. See, so, well, where does it say that? Well, there's not a judgment until after the millennial reign. And that's when those who have rejected Jesus Christ will be cast into the lake of fire. But the false prophet and the Antichrist will have been there for a thousand years. At this particular time, 75-day interval, you have Satan will be bound and cast into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. You say, well, preacher, isn't that the same place? No, it's not the same place. This is, is an abyss. This is a place that is a holding place for angels. Uh, right now, there are angels in holding places. Uh, Euphrates River, somewhere under the Euphrates Rivers, there's those four angels that we preached about before that's going to be released during the judgments of God. That they can't come out of there right now until they're released. But there's a holding place that is spoken of here concerning that, that uh, Satan will, will be cast into. In Revelations 20 there in verse, and beginning in verse 1 says, And I saw an angel come down from heaven having the key of the bottomless pit. Notice it's a bottomless pit. And a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that's Satan, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, notice what it says, a thousand years, and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should not deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Notice there what it says there. Here's a, here's a, here's a thought. Think about this. It didn't say it set a seal upon the door of the bottomless pit. Look at it. And set a seal upon him. The seal of God that holds him in that place. He's bound with a chain, a great chain. He's cast into it. This is a temporary place because he's only going to be there for a thousand years. Okay, so that's long. Yeah, but it's really a temporary time. 
He'll be there for a thousand years, and then he'll be loose for a little season, the Bible says. He'll come back to deceive people and to gather, as the Bible speaks of, and I'll talk about this a little bit in, in, in a little bit later, as the sands of the sea. He'll not be able to deceive the, the people during the millennial reign of Christ. Well, I'll tell you what, we, we today we think, man, I wish, I wish there wasn't all this, this sin and wickedness and the, uh, the, and, the, and, the, and the temptations and everything. That will be removed when Satan is chained and he casts in that thousand for a thousand years. Then there will be a judgment of the Gentiles. Look with me here, and or, well, you don't have to. I'll read it for you. In Joel chapter three, you can write this down if you want. Joel chapter three speaks of this. Begin verse one says, "For behold, in those days, he's talking about the this this time frame, and it and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations." This is when he's talking about gathering all nations. He's talking about gathering the Gentiles. Unless you're a Jew here tonight. You're a Gentile, okay? Who gather all Gentiles. These are the ones that, that, uh, that made it through the tribulation period, okay? That's not you and me. We're, 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 we were raptured out. But those who made it through the tribulation period, he will gather the Gentiles there and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. He's getting ready that place where he destroyed the, the armies of the Antichrist and will plead with them, therefore, my people, for the Jews, and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. And they, and they have cast lots. And notice what it talks about that the Gentiles have done here, because this is important. They have cast lots for my people and have given a boy for an harlot and sold a girl for wine that they might drink. Okay? They'll be judged upon how they treated the Jews during the tribulation period. Because during the tribulation period, not everybody's going to take the mark of the beast. Not everybody's, and I'm talking about, I'm talking about Gentiles even. Not everybody's going to take the mark of the beast. Not everybody's going to follow uh, in great allegiance unto, unto the Antichrist. There will be those, though, who will try to sell out the Jews. If you go back um, in our history, in, in this world, uh, you go back to how that the, the Germans, how that they offered uh, different things if people would turn Jews in. I went to the uh, Holocaust or the the uh, Jewish synagogue in um, yeah, just out, up, out from Kansas City there. And they had Holocaust speakers there. Actually, they were the grandchildren. One of them, one time I went there, was actually a, a, uh, uh, an elderly man that had went through the Holocaust. He died as, when I went back. But they had the grandchildren of these people. I, uh, that This man that had spoke had, was a child and when he went through it. But he told some stories about how that they would, they would sell the Jews. They would give them away so that they could gain something from, from the Germans. I remember one, this, they, they come and they, they, the Jews were, on a, uh, were hiding and, and were trying, was on the run and they were looking for him. And they came to this man outside this town and everything. And he wasn't a German officer or soldier or anything like that. He was, uh, I think he was of a different nationality anyway. And, 
and uh, and they and he they asked if they could hide in his barn, and so they went in there, and and they was able to dig down to make a hole, and they put a piece of tin over it, and they put hay over the top of that, and during the daytime they would go down and they would live under this tin and stay in there out of sight, and. The kids got to where they, they just hate it. You know, you can imagine having your kids all, all, all tied up. I mean, keeping them from getting out during the day and everything. And, and so a time or two, those kids got out and they was going out in the field and playing. And this man uh, seen them out playing. He went back to the people. He said, you got to keep them in here. He said, because if they find out that I'm hiding you, he said, they'll kill me. So they did and. The kids got out one time, and next thing you know, the kids were gone. And this man had sold those kids. They got out, and he traded them for different items and shoes. And he even seen these people seen on, on one of his kids the shoes that belonged to the Jewish kids. And they told how different times that they would pay them money to sell out the Jews and to do, do different things. This is what he's talking about here. During the tribulation period, the same thing's going to be happening. There will be those who will, like many others, who tried to hide the Jews, who tried to protect them, who tried to get them out of the country. There will be those Gentiles that will be doing that during the tribulation period. But there will be also those who will take the opportunities. They're not really in alliance with what's going on, but, they're, but they're, they want the money. They want the food. They want the, this and that. And so they're selling out the Jews and, and they're uh, turning them in and everything else. Well, there's a judgment here he's talking about. Joel's talking about this judgment. Matthew 25 speaks of it. Matthew 25, verse 31 says, When the Son of Man shall come in His glory, and all the holy angels with Him, then shall He sit upon the throne of His glory. Talking about the Lord's return. And before Him shall be gathered all nations. Here's the Gentiles again. And He shall separate them from one from another, as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And He shall set the sheep on His right hand, which His right hand is always a place of power, but the goats on the left. Then shall the king say unto them on the right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. And so here is a picture of this again. It says, For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we, uh, we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren. You see, a lot of times we look at this verse and it's good application for our daily time and how that we're to treat others. But this is a prophetic event. If you go back, you say, how do you know it's prophetic? If you look at verse, when he started out, he's talking about coming and sitting on his throne in his kingdom. That's the millennial reign. He says, then shall he also uh, say also unto them on the left hand, 
Depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you took me not in. Naked, and you clothed me not. Sick, and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, say, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or thirst, a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as ye did not, or did it not to one of the least of these, ye did it not to me. And these shall go their way into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. And so you see in this 75-day interval, there will be those who will not make it past the first 30 days. Because they will go into a judgment. And they themselves will be cast into hell. The resurrection also will happen. The resurrection of the Old Testament saints will happen in this 75-day interval here at this time. I won't read the verses, but I'll give you the, the, the address of them. You might say Isaiah 26, 19 and Daniel 12, 2. Only the righteous... Old Testament saints will be resurrected and partake of the blessings of the millennial kingdom. These are the friends of the bridegroom. Okay, these are the friends. You see, the Old Testament saints are not part of the bride. You sitting here tonight, if you know Christ as your Savior, you're part of the bride. The church is part of the bride. The church was not in the Old Testament. The Old Testament saints will be the friend of of the bridegroom, okay? The friend of the bridegroom. I'll get to that in a minute here. And it's spoken of there, if you want to look at, at, at a reference that speaks of that, John 3, 29. And, and that, but they've been invited to the wedding feast, okay? The wedding has already taken place in heaven. That's between us and Christ. But the wedding feast is going to take place during the millennium. That's going to begin in the, in the millennium. And so they are invited to that. You will also have the resurrection of the tribulation saints. That's those who have died for Christ during the seven-year tribulation. You say, well, preacher, uh, the church was already in existence. Are they not part of the bride? No, they are not. They are not part of the bride. You see, they are looked at differently than the bride. Only those who are the bride, and that is from, from the time of the, when Jesus Christ died on the cross until the rapture, that is, those who, who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, is the bride of Christ. The others are the friends of the bridegroom. The tribulation saints there, if you look at in uh, Revelation 20 and verse 4 there, it says, And I saw thrones, and they had set upon them, and judgment was given unto them. And notice what it says, And I saw souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God, which, was not, which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither uh, had received his mark upon their foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. They will be part of that millennial reign. But it'll be a little bit different. I'm not going to get into this tonight, but I'll just throw this out there. It's going to be a split, split division, you might say, in the government that will be taking place in the millennium. You have Jesus Christ that's ruling as a rod of iron. Over here, you're going to have the Gentiles. We will be over those uh, of the Gentiles. But you'll have on this side, you will have those who will be ruling and, and reigning under David, which will be the, those who are the Old Testament saints and the, uh, 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 the, the uh, tribulation saints have been resurrected. 
and the first resurrection. You see, the first resurrection has, has been going on. But only those who have who, who lived for the Lord will be brought into that. This completes the first resurrection, which only contained believers. The lost and the unbelieving will come in at a different resurrection. It will be after the millennial reign that that resurrection, those who are dead, who did not trust Jesus Christ, will not be brought up to stand in that judgment. That is a different resurrection. The one that we're talking about that will bring us into the millennial reign with Christ is the first resurrection. Revelations 20 verse 5 and 6 says, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years were finished. Okay, that's the ones who did not put their faith and trust in God and live for, that did not follow the Lord. They were not finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that is part in the first resurrection. On such shall the second death have no power, but shall, they shall be, pre, the priest of, be priest of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. And so that brings us together. Those events will take place prior to the millennial reign. But what it's doing is setting up Setting up those who will rule and reign with Christ. Not, uh, in a sense, you might say, could I put it this way? In a sense, you might say that it's a double wedding feast. What do you mean? The bride of Christ has already been married off to Jesus. Okay? We're the bride of Christ. We're coming back at the beginning of the millennium will be the beginning of that, that marriage feast... Generally, if you go into the um, uh, into Jewish uh, history and, and all that they did, it generally lasted seven days. But anyway, we will be that feast is is more than just for us. It's more than just the church. You might say that it's also a a double wedding feast, one for the church as the bride of Christ, and one for Israel as the remarried wife of Jehovah God, as they come back under and follow Him. Okay? It's a bringing back, a celebration, you might say. Well, that brings us up through the, the 75 days. Now you have the millennial reign begin. And Jesus will rule with a rod of iron in those days, and and, and we'll rule with him. Revelations 2 and verse 26 says, and 27 says, And he that overcometh and keepeth my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations. Otherwise we will help rule over those nations. And he, sh and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessel of a potter shall, uh, shall they be broken to shivers. Uh, shivers even as I received in my father. Psalms 2 and verse 9 says, Thou shalt break them with the rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Revelation chapter 2 27 again there it says, And they shall rule with a rod of iron. Talking about ruling with that rod of iron. Uh, so what you have is you step into that thousand years rule under the rod of Jesus Christ. But it's going to be a completely different Time, a completely different setting. Here's just a few things, and you could go into a lot more on it. The sin curse of the world will be lifted. Okay? Right now, uh, we, we've been in a drought. Things have not been growing well. But during that, there will be no drought. 
In fact, there'll probably be harvests. They'll probably you can probably harvest as fast as fast as it's growing. You'll harvest, and it'll already be ready to harvest again. It will be a very similar to what took place in the Garden of Eden. It will because the sin curse will be lifted. The child will play with the deadly animals and not be injured. It talks about playing on the hole of the asp. Can you imagine having your own lion? I mean, can you imagine? Hey, come over here. I want to show you my grizzly bear I got. Uh, hey, look at this. Look at, look at this diamondback rattler. Stick your tongue out, buddy. Look here. I want to hold his tongue for a minute. Look at that. The kids will play with those animals. And they will not be deadly unto them. Why? Because the curse has been lifted. Things have changed. Jesus Christ now is ruling and reigning. Satan is bound in the, in the bottomless pit. The word, or the world rather, will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord. Think about this. You know, you go to Walmart now or you go to a store or someplace and all you hear is people taking the Lord's name and taking it in vain and cussing and using it in a vulgar way. And it won't be that way. The Lord's name will be used, but it will be in magnifying Him and glorifying Him and talking about what Jesus Christ did for us. Talking about how glorious He is and and how magnificent He is. Talking about his, the wonders that He has created and all that's taking place. Man will not be robbing one another. People will not be stealing uh, this and that. There will not be all the, the different uh, 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 sins that we think of now. The drugs and the immorality and the ungodliness. There will be none of that. Absolutely none. Won't need a parole officer. Won't need jails. Won't need hospitals. Be a completely different place. There'll be no more war. Well, until after the thousand years, then there will be one. People born, life will be flourishing, and on goes the list of that what will take place in the millennium. A great multitude of things. But in the end of the thousand years, Satan will be released for a little time. And man once again, after a perfect world, will turn away from God. Think about that. For a thousand years, everything is perfect. For a thousand years, without the sin. For a thousand years without Satan deceiving. For a thousand years people are being born. People are flourishing. It's, it's just unbelievable what, we, what will take place. But at the end of that thousand years, God will unlock Satan from that bottomless pit. Remove the chain. And the Bible says he'll come forth for a little season. And he will gather as it is as the sands of the sea a people that will turn against God. Say, preacher, how could that happen? 
Just like it did in the garden. Just like it did in the garden. You see, man is inherently wicked. We have turned from the Lord. Let me give you application. We're done. Millennium gives us the very best state of things that man could ever experience in this life. And yet they turn against a holy God. After he has ruled over them, after they've seen his glory, after they've seen all that he's done, after they've seen how that you don't have the wars, you don't have the fighting, you don't have all the cussing, you don't have all the wickedness going on. And they will turn on him. For you and me, we should realize that we need the Lord's forgiveness and the imputed righteousness that only can be given by Jesus Christ. We cannot live a perfect life. You can put us in a perfect setting and we will ruin it. We will ruin it. So we'll preach what's the application. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Can I tell you that there is a perfect day coming when there'll be no more sin. When we get a new body, when we're changed, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, but it's not because of what we are, who we are, or what we've done, but it's because of what Jesus Christ did for us. And oh, how we need to live for him now. There's none that doeth good, and without Jesus Christ, we're doomed to, to our sins and failures. That's why we must continually draw near to the Lord and walk with him and in his word and in prayer now. Realizing that just because you're saved doesn't mean that you won't fall to sin. Just because you're in a Bible preaching church doesn't mean that you won't fall to sin. Just because, listen to me young people, just because you're raised in a Christian home don't go to a public school maybe taught at home or go to a Christian school doesn't mean that you won't fall. Preacher, I got everything right in my life. Doesn't mean that you won't fall. That's why we need to get as close to the Lord and stay as close to the Lord as we possibly can. And understand this as the days draw nigh, Satan realizes that his time is short. And we need to be busy about the Master's business, living for Him, reaching the lost, magnifying the Lord. And when we do fall and when we sin against the Lord, we need to, to get on our faces before Him. Claim 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Realizing in our own hearts and lives that our hearts are desperately wicked. And we don't even know what they'll do. But if we'll walk with God, if we'll walk after the Spirit, we'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Let us live and walk after the Lord in this day.
in this time. As he is there to help us and carry us through. He said, well, preacher, what about those people? There's a judgment coming then. And many of them will be cast into a lake of fire for eternity. After they experienced perfection in the world. My friend, it is by the mercies and the love of God that he does not consume us and destroy us. And that's why we ought to live for him now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We love you. And I pray, O oh Lord, that we would live for you in these days, and that we'd magnify you and we'd glorify you, Lord, before this world, that we would, Lord, when we do fall, when we do sin, Lord, that we would turn to you and ask for forgiveness, Lord, and that we would allow you to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, but help us to get back up, Lord, and, and to walk for you and show this world the love of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and his imputed righteousness, his righteousness placed on us. It's not our righteousnesses. We're as filthy rags. But oh, we thank you for the shed blood of our Savior that cleanses us from all sin. Have your will and way, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand with your heads bowed, your eyes closed?